Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Brigadier and Harold Chorley as they defend Mirror Kinsham and episode number 357. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm well. I am also well. And I'm tired and I'm sore. And yes. I'm going to interject that because Keith's going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> we both did took care of some yard work this weekend separately. Leaves. I did gutters too. I forgot. Oh, did you I do did gutters? gutters I did too. not do gutters. Yeah. yeah, we didn't get together and do leaves together. We we did it separately. I'd so. have felt left out if you didn't invite me <laughs> for the leave. Not that I'd have come, but if you hadn't invited me. You know. So much... So many leaves, it's not even funny. <laughs> it's not even funny. It was so much. My tree, I have this beautiful tree in the backyard, because I don't have one in the front yard anymore, um, that turns this really pretty shade of like reddish-orange. Mm. And it's done it every year that we've lived here, where it turns, and then a day later, it's bare. <laughs> it just goes, look at me, and everything falls off of it at the same time. And it's like, I hate you, tree. <laughs> I don't get to enjoy this tree at all. Mm. But I don't like the leaves either. So it's just kind of like, blow, my pretties, blow. Fly <laughs> through the neighborhood. <laughs> well, this, with the carport and the fence right there, we get such a big pile that we I have to try to take care of it fairly frequently. Well, Otherwise, you lose your dog. In that. Yeah. Oftentimes he lays in the leaves while he's waiting to come back in, and I have to go in, out and search for him because it's so high. Uh, home ownership. Did you guys do anything fun besides leaves this weekend? I did. Or this week? What'd you do? I saw Justice League. Huh. How was it? I thought it was really good. Really good? Really good. Really good? Really good. Really good. Yeah. It wasn't Wonder Woman, but it was really good. It was a lot of fun. It was high energy. It was funny. It was all of those things that we've kind of been complaining that the DC Universe hasn't really had, this one had. Now, it's still very much a Zack Snyder film. It still looks like 90% of it was shot on green screen. But it, it just had a lot of moments that really worked well. It doesn't quite gel with the overarching plot that they had set up. They're from, trying to do a course correction. You can definitely tell there was a course correction from what had been set up because they didn't quite go that way with it. But I, I was okay with that, quite honestly, because <laughs> I didn't like whether we were going with it. So just across the board, it was a lot of fun, and we had, we had a really good time with it. Did you watch anything else, Sean? Yeah, I watched uh, the uh, uh, Batman vs. Two-Face animated uh, <laughs> movie, which is the, the Batman 66. It's the final, the final Adam West, uh, right? Adam West. Adam West. Um, and it's brilliantly bonkers. It's so much fun because it's like, I mean, it's just a continuation of the 66 stuff and it's got all the bad puns, all the cheese, all the, the campiness is in there. And then two faces voiced by William Shatner. So that kind of fits right in line with the way they used to do things on the show, which was, you know, your guest star of the week chewing scenery. I was like, well, who better than than (laughs) Shatner to, to do this? And they animated Harvey Dent to look like Shatner. So he looks like an animated Captain Kirk from the Star Trek TV show. It's that same kind of, you know, stuff. And then, well, I think they sort of had to go that route because because it's a continuation. They never had Two-Face on the first Yeah, series. he was yeah. never on the and series. And so 
Shatner would have that's the new actor playing the new character on Batman and Robin. It makes sense. I watched uh, Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, featuring a very special contractually obligated mention of Tony Clifton. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a Netflix documentary, mainly talking to Andy Co- uh, Jim Carrey. They talked to Andy Kaufman? <laughs> well, Holy cow. At times while watching it. <laughs> he phoned in. <laughs> uh, talked to Jim Carrey about his like process and what happened while he made Man on the Moon because he became so much Andy Kaufman. I'd highly recommend it. What'd you do, Glenn? Not a darn thing. <laughs> Have you finished Stranger Things? <clears throat> I did. I actually meant to mention that last week and I forgot. Yeah, we, we finished Stranger Things. We really liked it. I, I think it's better than the first season. I finished the Beyond Stranger Things, and I would recommend that too. Yeah, I need it was to enjoyable. tackle that next. All right, let's move on to news. News. What's in the news? So, uh, Children in Need happened, and we got a clip uh, from this year's Christmas special, Twice Upon a Time. We did. No word on viewing figures. I don't know if it dropped down after the first half hour. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Children in Need? Yes. It was fun. Yeah, it was, it was a, a good clip. clip. Yeah. If it sets the tone for how the episode will be, I'll be very pleased with it. And I think even more, probably because when we saw, um, no, help me with his name. David David Bradley. Bradley. Thank you. When we saw David Bradley playing William Hartnell, we saw David Bradley playing William Hartnell. We didn't see him playing the first Doctor much. Mm -hmm. Maybe just a glimpse here or there. But playing William Hartnell, I took at face value that that's kind of, you know, he at least embodied the him playing the doctor in that clip. I think he's got it spot on and more so than Richard Herndl did. Yeah. I think so. Too. Now Richard Herndl did a good job. Don't get me wrong. I know. Don't, I'm not a hater. I liked Richard Herndl, but I think he played it very much in line with how William Hartnell played it. And I'm very pleased so far. Yeah, I am too. I don't need to see more to make that determination, but I didn't, you know, I don't have anything against it. So. It had this, the the whole clip had great humor to it. It did. It was great chemistry too. I yeah. missed I missed Capaldi's hair. I didn't realize how much I'd missed it until I saw it. <laughs> when he came in the door. It was all like, oh, there it is. <laughs> of course, can't say too much about it since we don't have anything in context with it. Yeah, right. It's, it's just a it's just a clip. Well, what we do know is that the doctor still thinks that this is his TARDIS. The first doctor thinks it's yes. his TARDIS that he's going to. Coming in, and he finds out and it's a mistake, and then the, tw- the twelfth doctor has to. I have to number the doctors now. Um, <laughs> says that you know it's actually this is yours, and he shows a clip, which is the. Clip. Did you notice it's the image from yeah. Tenth Planet, and it's <laughs> his his TARDIS sitting there. I thought that was pretty cool. The best part of that was, have I been burgled? Like <laughs> <laughs> yes, these particular burglars break into your TARDIS and add bookshelves. And completely rearrange things. And a VHS tape. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah, I wonder what's up with that. I love that. I think that's great. Well, I also really like the the meta jokes to it of, I thought I'd be younger. Oh, I am younger. <laughs> Especially considering the whole, you know, the one thing flap that, of Capaldi's casting. The one thing that sort of set me off the first, because I've watched it twice now. I actually watched it three times. I watched it once by myself, once again by myself, and then once with my family. But the, the first time I watched it, what set me off was, but you've met other incarnations yourself. You act like this is a new thing, you've, that this has never happened before. But then I have to default to the whole time of the Doctor, 
where day of the doctor right? day of the doctor yes reference where you forget yeah. you won't remember that we had these and adventures he would never together. remember any of so them so he would have forgot that he met the second and uh third doctor in one occasion and five of them or four incarnations of himself yeah. after that so it works it does my head cannon <laughs> so the current incarnation doesn't remember the either. current the current incarnation does remember the most recent the most recent always remembers the up to past that point. yes okay now if the 12th doctor <laughs> if the 12th doctor were to meet the 13th or 14th or 15th doctor after that after their timeline timelines went back into sync cuz they're out of sync while they're together if they'd gone back into sync the 12th doctor would forget but the 14th doctor would remember from then on got it probably not but so the first doctor has it worse because he will never remember yeah. the incarnations because he didn't have any prior to that. So. Unless there is unless there is a prior one that we don't know about. There's not. And he's not the first, he's actually oh, for the Pete's second. Sake, people. <laughs> Cuz it's Stephen Moffat. There's not. Can we put that argument to bed forever? <laughs> Our other bit of news this week uh comes from Candy Jar Books and they announced uh, the third volume of their novella series will be Travers and Wells. Yay! And we say that with a bit of amnesia because we sort of feel like they've announced this before, but we can't remember if that was told to us by the publishers and wasn't a broad announcement or if they're re-announcing this because Travers and Wells is replacing the Day of the uh, Intelligence. Day of the Intelligence. Yeah. And so they're making sure that they, they get the publicity out there again to make sure that people remember that, hey, this one is on the books and ready so, to come. So. so if you read the short story of Travers and Wells, it pretty much leads right up to this and we get Travers and Wells doing War of the Worlds in the Lethbrig verse. In Brigverse. Let me tell you my excitement level for this book. <laughs> so there's there's a full-on synopsis you can go read by it's Robert Mamone. an 11. <laughs> I figured it'd be like 15. On a scale of five. <laughs> I'm at 11. As with you with uh, Twice Upon a Time, I'm going to wait and reserve until I see it. No. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's not just a wink and a nod to War of the Worlds. They're actually going to do War of the Worlds. It'll be like, this is where HG got the idea from. Oh, I cannot wait for this book. <laughs> So, Robert Mamone previously wrote Eva the Fomorians, uh, and then first he wrote kind of a prologue, Time and Again, that was then turned into The Life of Evans. So now he's getting to do this. So he went from short to novella to novella. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. Coming soon. That's it for news. Cool. Have we got any feedback we, we do have, some, do feedback. have some feedback first up in feedback is trevor trevor writes love the podcast i've been meaning to email for ages but i've made peace with the fact that i'm just not much of a correspondent one quick thought another nickname for the Brigverse might be the unit verse or even the extended unit verse but Brigverse works too cheers trevor uh yeah thank you trevor thank you, very trevor. much and yeah, we appreciate it i yeah. like extended universe because then that can enco- encompass the big finish unit audio that was my first thought was we did brig verse because 
unit isn't a thing yet. And so I didn't feel like you could do unit verse yet because we're still in just, we, and he, he wasn't even the brig the whole time here. He was, yeah, that's you know, true. he got promoted within this series. Well, we kind of went the brig verse because Lethbridge Stewart verse was just a little bit of a mouthful. But I kind of like the extended unit verse. I like that. I think that actually works. I think it works better because this is extended unit. So it's just, it's unit prehistory. Yeah. It's PW. No, PU. <laughs> oh, no, we don't want to do that. <laughs> it's not PU. It's. <laughs> I call it the core verse. Core verse. Havoc verse. Havoc verse, yeah. I like extended unit verse. I like it because unit verse sounds so much like universe. Yeah, yeah, me too. Good on you, Trevor. We may decide to do extended universe. Unit verse. I've only just got my brain trained to say brig verse. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing we didn't have you saying Lethbridge Stewart verse the whole time. No. That one, that one fits? Uh, well, no, just because oh. that's what it was. Oh, yeah. So, you know, like... I didn't LS-verse? like saying it, but I said it. LS <laughs> verse. Cool. Our um, other bit of feedback isn't really feedback, but a comment on the Goodreads Book Club thread for The Dreamer's Lament. Ben wrote, After a delay in receiving this book, I started reading it last night. Wow, it got off to a very dark start. I'm on the I mean I'm on in the early part of the story, but it's really good so far. And then he adds another comment saying Perhaps the most gruesome graphic story yet to be told in the Lethbridge-Stewart series. A wonderfully original tale which draws upon the world of zombie horror. Of the Lethbridge-Stewart stories, this one felt the most different. I finished it moments ago. Well done. Well, you read that quick. Here, here. From the first to the fourth. In 12 hours. I, I read it. And from the first to the fourth? You read it October 1st. To no, October 4th, that post was 7.08 a.m. And the second post was 7.05 p.m. So it's more than 12 hours. And I said, oh, I and see. 12 and hours. And 12 hours. Okay. Yeah, I, well, I read it in four days, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because I started it late. But Well, let's uh, do our review. You got a synopsis? I do. The Dreamer's Lament. While visiting his mother, Lethbridge Stewart is a little perturbed when Harold Chorley calls to ask for his help. A train from Bristol has gone missing, and Chorley is convinced that it has something to do with the Kensham Triangle, where over 50 people have vanished without a trace in the, since the early 1800s. Elsewhere, Anne Travers is coming to terms with a loss in her family, and sets about preparing for a funeral. However, news reaches her that both Lethbridge Stewart and Chorley have gone missing, and her help is required to find them, and hopefully solve the mystery of the Kenshim Triangle. What connects the missing train to the triangle, and has it got, and what has it got to do with a wren from the 1940s? And just why does it appear that Lethbridge Stewart and Chorley are in the village of Kenshim in 1815? I feel like I need to give this one two, because at First glance, reading the book, would be bum bum bum. But there's an added part to this where I am not a big zombie fan. I've come to the determination that aside from a handful of things like Walking Dead, which I don't even, you know, I'm not religious about. I'm only up to season three. Um, and I'm just kind of over zombies. They're just, they're there and it's not my thing. 
So the fact that this book made me care <laughs> that zombie, I mean, because again, at first I was kind of like, oh, you're shoehorning zombies into this, it's not going to work for me, and blah, blah, blah. It's so well written. It's uh, just, it's an amazing ride. And that I enjoyed it as much as I did for my whack of liking zombies. I feel like it probably deserves a bum, bum, bum. But I don't know. Where are you guys at? <laughs> uh, I would go kind of in between. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a really well done zombie story. And I did not, especially after the short we had, um, Playing Dead, I, we didn't quite, I didn't quite like how... They tried to fit zombies into the Lethbridge Stewart universe. Agreed. This one does it so well, and add on that mystery of the Kinchim Triangle of this. Is that how you say? Kin- I don't know. It's- oh, okay. I didn't know if because pronunciations over the UK, or I didn't know if you. I kept calling it Key because it's K E Y Kinchim. 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 Either of the two. Andy will let us know tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the triangle. Um, the mystery of ha- of it of what's going on there and how it's transporting people uh, appears to be back in time and then the actual solution to it of this Loa which I believe we got name dropped in Night of the Intelligence didn't it? Am I remembering that correctly? I didn't remember that but it's possible. I didn't remember it but it's possible. Hmm. I just liked how well it was done and having that great intelligence-esque entity pulling the strings and doing everything in the background gives the zombies uh, validation to it. It's not just some random zombie thing, and it's all contained within this one little village. I, I just... High marks for me, I think. This has probably skyrocketed to the top of my list of Lethbridge Stewart books. I really, really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, a few little key elements that bothered me about it, but... Overall, it's a sweeping story. It's exciting all the way through. It doesn't bore at any time. Um, at every step of the way, I think there's at least somebody in peril that gives you a bit of, of that tension that holds throughout the entire book. There's a lot of great mystery of here what's going on, and it really builds on that mystery as we discover, uh, first of all, the mystery of this triangle, where they are, what has happened, uh, you know, uh, what's happened in this manner that has created this triangle and what this malevolent, malevolent force is that's coming after everything. Uh, starting off with the little mice that they get attacked by at the beginning, which you kind of wonder, oh, what's that all about? All the way up to the bodies animating. On Shades the, on of Time a, Squared yeah, initially. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. Uh, the bodies animating on the uh, uh, mort- uh, mortician slab, which just... From, from and and it was one of those ones that I kept thinking, I know Lethbridge Stewart survives. I don't know about Chorley. So here's the other thing about this book: absolutely love Chorley. Oh, yes. I mean, I think we have been growing very fond of Chorley through the whole thing, and I think even to the point where we felt that he's gotten slighted in the past. Um, grandfather infestation for one. Uh, the what was the uh, the movie set one? Uh, Showstoppers. Showstoppers. Uh, and even so much in the first two parts of, or the first two episodes of The Lost Skin. <coughs> we don't know where the third one's gone because we don't have it yet. But um, <laughs> but this is this is the Chorley that I had hoped we'd get to eventually, and we have. And I really love that. A different character, somebody that has changed and grown beyond the smarmy journalist that he was in the past. 
having that connection with Lethbridge Stewart was really good too because Lethbridge Stewart is very I mean it's he rescues him from his mother's house because she's questioning about the recent breakup and then so using him as an excuse and going to check it out he already knows that he's not going to really care what Charlie's got because he's trying to dig into something that he probably doesn't have any business doing so he has to go there to find out and just from that point on in their relationship changing and growing the way that it did i absolutely love that and yeah. surely getting you know that muster surprising lethbridge stewart of his uh, you know bravery and his ability to load that flint talk flint lock pistol and then the little drop of well i did a bbc a bb3 <laughs> a bbc3 documentary on these things he says, I can't remember, you know, half of the things after the Dominic incidents, but that thing stinks. You know, I thought that was that was kind of funny, too. All the way up to the end of, of Lethbridge Stewart giving him a little bit of throwing him a bone to help yeah. him try to uh, rediscover what happened in uh, the uh, Dominic's uh, complex. Uh, I just I had so much fun when Samson shows up. I was so glad that uh, he actually got through there because I think that really kind of ramped up the you know i i this that's another one way I, I don't know if samson has survived beyond this because i couldn't remember any stories we had read that are set after this that necessarily survived i in my head believe that samson is uh lucy's other grandfather but i don't know that we've ever confirmed that or gotten that confirmed yet but i i'm thinking that whole time you know is samson going to make it out of this is it, and so it was good for them to throw other players in there because we know Lethbridge Stewart's going to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know oh, Anne's going to survive. We yeah. know Bishop's going to survive. Fortunately, Anne and Bishop are placed on this side of it and not really put in any sort of peril so that we don't have to go, well, of course they're going to survive type thing. Um, I really liked the, was it Stedman, the uh, manor, the guy that owned the manor? Yeah. And then Wallace, who was the guy that was basically working there on Stedman's dime so that he could, you know, further... And I had this love-hate relationship with Wallace because I really kept thinking, you know, he would do things that I was like, this guy's actually kind of a genius and I kind of want him to live. And then he would do things like, you know, (laughs) braiding the slaves and, you know, treating Samson the way he did. And I was like, you know, I almost don't care if you die. (laughs) But I just, I had a lot of fun. It was so good. It was so intense. I'm with you. I'm not a big zombie uh, genre fan, but I found myself loving this. I think it was just, it was very well done. The things that I had an issue with it is, and I think I'm okay with it because the story paced so well and kept me riveted, but it seemed like there were a few conveniences in it. Um, I think finding the manor to eat, finding the, the, the Wren gal that had come through, the, the British soldier from the four, uh, 30s who came through, I thought she knew a little too much. Like she was... She had to advance the plot, but she was, I mean, she, she, was she said the situation she'd, a little she'd too been well. there, yeah, she'd been there only a week and she was already piecing things together that I felt was a little too quick. Um, same thing with, there was another character that I felt advanced the story a little too far. The other thing that bothered me was we had this sub story going on with Jack, the town drunk. <laughs> And I kept thinking they were we were going to go somewhere with that. And they were, it was, it was kind of funny and fun to read those moments. But then he ends up getting drowning on his own and washing down the river. Yeah. And really, I think the only thing that he was used for was to introduce us to that little hell dog and that cat who didn't really get an explanation later because they were so heavily pointed at in the plot 
But there they was just showed up. You wouldn't have needed. Yeah, that, exactly. The and 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 because by the time they show up, they're just another vicious animal that's coming after them. I mean, I wanted the cat to be something mysterious or a connection to Loa that was different from anybody else or something. Maybe because I'm reading the uh, Missing Adventures novels and there's this silver feline that keeps walking around that's this mystery. <laughs> but I just wanted it to be something more because you were focusing me on the fact that this dog and this cat were walking together everywhere and, and attacking things. And then the, 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 the author doesn't really go anywhere with them. And so I kind of felt like, Okay, you could have taken Jack completely out of there. I mean, it was again, it was fun to read some of his little exploits and the, and the way he rationalized things as he was drunk, but it didn't need it. It was it was yeah. it was completely padding. I didn't think it was needed necessary. The cat and the dog. I wish they had a better connection. But other than that, and other than that, some of the the conveniences, I felt that were, uh, I think uh, Lethbridge Stewart and Chorley being so easily welcomed into uh, Stedman's Manor, I thought that was advanced too easily. I thought that they figured out the whole zombie thing a little too quickly, but well, I guess they didn't because the zombies just set up. So I mean, when you once they're there, it's like, oh, these are undead. I guess I, I didn't have a problem with that after I rationalized it later. But there were just little little things that did not bring the story down at all, but just kept me questioning. Well, this is really happening a lot faster than I think it probably should piece together. But then again, the book paced well enough that I think <laughs> I forgave those. So, I uh, there there are two characters that have a through line almost all the way through this. The, the very first character we're introduced is the grave robber, Tom Sawkins. Tom Sawkins, yeah. Um, and so he's, he's the very first character that's introduced, and he's the first one to die and then reappear as a zombie. And man, he dogs them through this whole thing. <laughs> sure, sure. Just yeah. Tom keeps showing back up. And I'm champing at the bit to like, somebody kill Tom. <laughs> Somebody get rid of this guy. Oh, he is. He's, he's just there, you know. All the and the manor house is on fire and burning down, and people are ready for the. And then Tom comes stumbling out of the flames. And it's like, darn it! <laughs> Why is this guy still around? So you've got the threat of of Tom, and then Jack, because Jack's the the the. They make reference early to Jack taking advantage of Tom. When Tom would come into the pub and spend his money, and they're all kind of wondering, well, where did he get the funds from? You know, yeah. and so you 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 kind of have that aspect, and his story kind of like a drunken stumble meanders through the narrative of everything else that's going on. That he he sees things from afar. That he's at this point when the soldier comes through. That he's over here when this happens to Lethbridge Stewart, and he has to be at the bar when the cat and the dog show up and all this kind of stuff. So in a way he's up in the pool of blood. Yeah. He's, he's almost this unofficial narrator that kind of goes through, but I agree with you. It was like, I, I think if, if that was the intent, I would have liked a little bit more connection. There needed to be more connection or more, or, or at least this grand resolution at the end, other than just, Him and then they all drowning died. In the stream. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he's, he kind of got off. Easy. But I, I, I have to admit, I did like of the everybody. Fact. He did get off the easiest. Oh yeah. Because, absolutely. I mean, he was left alone on all of the occurrences that he came across a zombie, uh, unbeknownst to him, and they, the yeah. cat, and of course he's thinking that it's some <laughs> deal was with it the old devil. Nick, yeah, like yeah. he called old Nick, the patron saint of alcoholics. And anyway, it was just that was it was funny that uh, it was it was fun to read that. I just didn't think the payoff was well. That, that's the thing is well, well he got off easy, you know, at the end, and I, I did like his ending. I agreed with you. I kind of felt like. For what that was worth, that was really, it was a little bit of padding. It was fun padding, so I'm not necessarily going to dog on it, but it was, I agree with you, it was a little bit of padding. 
Um, I really enjoyed so many aspects of this. A lot of the stuff that you talked about, the character development for Chorley, because kind of like Evans, you know, we love Evans, but you can only take cowardly, deceitful Evans Mm -hmm. so far before you have to decide, is he a villain or not? And they ultimately decided, no, he's he's going to grow into this other character. And now we love him even more. And I kind of feel like Chorley is the same way. You can only make Chorley the butt of the joke so many times before you have to decide what you're going to do with him. And so for this book to come along and make him all of a sudden... Because I was really excited. Oh, he's going to be stuck with Lethbridge Stewart through this whole thing. This is going to be great. Because they're just going to butt heads and he's going to be, you know, grating on, on, on the Briggs nerves. And, and then he really... He, he really wasn't. He really kind of held his own as an investigative partner to the Briggs... Worth. Well, the Briggs brand of logic paired up with Chorley's brand of detective work. They they really, you know, complemented each other really well. And then once the zombies show up, which is really pretty early, considering... I mean, because uh, you, know, you think the mystery is about the triangle. And we're even given this Bermuda Triangle-esque... But that's not it, you know. That that's totally a, a false trail that you, that you go down. But then once the zombies show up, well, I, I, I don't know if it's wouldn't a false even say trail. it's a false trail. It's a, because it's an it's, aspect of it. It's an aspect. Well, it's a but huge it's, aspect. And the zombies are almost just the side effect. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess it just it's it's not the Bermuda Triangle mystery. I guess is maybe where I'm, I'm trying to say that because it it feels like we're trying to solve the you know the, the supernatural element and it, well I'm not explaining it very well. Because it is. It's the low of... To the outside world, that's all it is. Right. Right. To, once you get the, into the, the triangle, there's more, there's depth, more to depth to there it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I bang around my microphone. Uh, yes. But, so once the zombies show up then, and Charlie has his moment of panic, but then he becomes this, like you said, he's loading the flintlock, he's doing this, he's doing this, and when he when he shoots the guy in the, uh, when they, they break into the, the bedroom, and he kind of accidentally shoots the guy in the head. <laughs> closes his eyes. But then immediately sets about reloading and just doesn't, he, he's just in the zone now. And, and even Lethbridge Stewart is like, oh. and I love the comment he had when he says, I may have pegged you wrong. Yeah. And Chorley replies, no, you had it right, but that was a long time ago. But people change. Yeah. And people change. Yes. Oh, the, oh. The acknowledgement just, of the fact that he, he's growing as a person is fantastic. Yeah. That was so, if, if you take nothing else away from this book, the character growth of Chorley is worse. That's just it. The more it's more poignant in the fact that if the author had said, you know, yeah, you, if Chorley had come back with say, yeah, there's a lot you don't know about me, then I have thought, uh, okay, you've just kind of flipped this thing and you're making it. But for Chorley to admit it and recognize that he's changed or, yeah. or point out that he's changed, I was like, yeah, that that brings because. Now you can accept Chorley for who he was in Web of Fear, and you can accept Chorley for who he is now because he has changed and grown from that point on. Yeah, I agree totally. I absolutely love Lethbridge Stewart and Chorley together the entire book. Uh, I also really liked, as odd as this sounds, the fact that nobody lives besides for our main players. <laughs> Even some of our quasi-main players don't quite make you it. You sort of figure they can't either well, it's kind of one of those what things of okay them? there's this weird triangle if they fix it what's going to happen and what kind right. of impact is that going to have well really the only solution is everybody dies and the right. fact that everybody does i appreciated that aspect of it because not many zombie stories that, actually kill 90 percent of the main players yeah i thought that uh, ms Bil- bisby whatever her name the the, the wren yeah that was the other problem i had with i thought it. she was going to make it 
I like the fact that she bought it so early. And didn't, yeah. Because I, I even was, when the Brig mentions that, well, we can take her back, because history records that she never returned, but we could bring her back to the 70s. And I went, oh, yeah, that's kind of a nifty little yeah, fix. I thought so too. And then, no. <laughs> well, that was, a, that was one of the things that I didn't like at first, is the fact that we we got so endeared to this character. We spent so much time developing this character, and then we kill her off so early on. But then I kind of thought about it later, and I thought, well, no, that that was good, because... She needed to advance the pl- plot enough, just enough to get Charlie and Lethbridge Stewart on the inside, yeah. and then that character would have felt almost that actually that threesome would have felt a little too bloated at that point. Yeah. Not because she's a woman, but just because we have we're dealing with Charlie and and uh, we Lethbridge need, Stewart. We this don't time. need three people at a time, right? Exactly. Well, it becomes a tag exactly. along at that point. Yeah, it kind of yeah. does. So, um, and then um, uh, the other one was uh, the child. Um, Zara. Zara. Yeah. yeah. I really thought Zara was going to make it out. I did too. I thought she was. In fact, I, I thought that's why they were de- trying to develop that relationship between her and her Samson. And Samson. You know, because he could be a surrogate her, for her. And, yeah. yeah this is, nope. <laughs> Just <laughs> nothing. That, and I think that with, with, with Bibby, I can't remember her name, with the Wren, when she died as early as she did, I think the, the benefit to that that really triggered is that it suddenly became, like you said, we know the Brig is going to make it out. There's no doubt in my mind that, that he's going to be okay. I'm a little less certain about Chorley. And then the, kind of the three main characters, we've got Anne, and we've got Bill, and we've got Samson. And for the most part, you kind of want to believe that these have reached favored nation status. They're not going to kill any of these characters. Well, we know for sure Bill and Anne won't, at least they won't kill them off because of that short because of that the short two brigadiers years, that, yeah. that's you know further on down the plus road plus they they're very wise not to put them in any sort of peril until much later in the book yes. yeah. but there's still that possibility that well i'm not 100% for sure and then when the Ren... I was 100% for sure they were going to die. <laughs> not, not for Samson but everyone else well, right. yeah. Samson what, what, i had Samson I was cards were off the table with Samson and Charlie the whole time that's I kept it. thinking, are they going to bite it? Yeah. Because once she dies early, then it's kind of like, oh, because now that's ratcheted that tension back up for these other mm-hmm. characters that, well, you may not be safe. So, and then, of course, they killed several of the, uh, you know, red shirts. The poor guy that got split. <laughs> you know, yeah. here's the thing with the, the author really kind of gives you the gut punch is when Lethbridge Stewart goes back to uh, Sergeant Dovey, not Sergeant, Private Dovey. Who's waiting at the tank? He finally gets to him. Dovey's just been sitting there waiting the whole time. He gets back to the Land Rover with him, and he starts congratulating. Oh, I've meant to congratulate you on your promotion. And Dovey was somebody that had saved Lethbridge Stewart life earlier. I couldn't remember exactly what the instance was, but I remembered the name. And he was congratulating him on his pension, and then also a pension, his uh, uh, ascension. And then suddenly, Dovey's dead. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, what a gut punch to have this. And we like, get good news. We've got you know refills on ammo. We've got grenades. Like, yeah, no, no more you, grenades. You don't get to keep any. Although, of us. well, at least you got to use a couple of the grenades. Yeah, one inadvertently. <laughs> and what a great for for the, for the zombie thing. Zombie cows. Zombie cows. Yeah. <laughs> Zombie cow. We know somebody that would have been absolutely beyond terrified of that. <laughs> but there were a lot of... Because he's scared of benign cows. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, zombie cat, zombie dogs, zombie owls, zombie bird. It just all of a sudden was like, whoa. That was another clever thing. Was yeah. having them crash through the stained glass window in the church. Because, you know, that just ratcheted up the whole tension there. In fact, the, the author, 
<laughs> right. And that's when all hell broke loose. And you were like, oh, God. And then, and then he, even, he even telegraphs it. And what came next was when all hell broke loose. Yeah. And he writes it in such a way that you're like, oh, now what? And then he writes right into it with the, the crash of the glass and the birds coming in, which is looking at the cover of the book and the birds are actually flying out of the glass, out of the church. But oh. that's, that's, that's irrelevant. <laughs> I, I, it's, I have a, a very small complaint, but it's, and it's very nitpicky. But there was a chapter title that was Death by Cow. And then the Death by Cow didn't happen until the, so next, the next chapter. chapter. <laughs> that, that was so way that too soon. I was grateful for that, though. I was grateful for I that. knew it was coming, because, though. I knew, but, though, I knew somebody get, was going to die. But you get to the end of that chapter, and at least I did. I got to the end of that chapter, and I went, oh, well, that one didn't come true. Oh, no. Considering how much death was happening, I was like, well, that's just weird it didn't happen there. Oh, look, it just did. Okay. Well, what I really appreciated was... I almost felt like the chap for a little while. I felt like the chapters were misnamed because I'd read a chapter title and then like I'd they read were almost a chapter ahead. Well, exactly because then the next chapter was basically a, a synopsis of what had just happened in the chapter before, and I was like, "Oh, but it wasn't giving anything away." And I thought, "Okay, this actually works for me." <laughs> I thought the same thing. I thought okay. the, the, the couch chapter was out of place. I thought <laughs> that was the only one I noticed. Uh, it's just stood out to me well maybe they did that on purpose because like things would happen and then we get a chapter tile that said what had happened and then we got another and then then that was the reverse where they were like death by cow and you're like well that hasn't happened yet so that must happen in this one and then you get <laughs> through that you and you're like oh it didn't happen and then you get to the next one i knew might have been on the, i might well, have been the, the author trolling us there i ended the first chap that chapter and i thought well that was a bit um exaggeratory there was no death by cow there, liked, and then it happened. And I liked that. I thought that was kind of cool. Did, uh, it's a great chapter title. It just <laughs> wish that would have paired better. Did, did anybody think that Meat Attack was kind of an odd name, but then rationalized it as well? I guess zombies, okay, and and not in any stretch of my imagination. Did you think it was going to be? Did steak? I think it was going to be a piece of steak <laughs> trying to choke somebody? Yeah. That was a clever use of it was a clever use zombieism. Well, what's kind of what I what, another thing I like about these zombies is that it almost falls back to the more traditional zombie aspect of it. The very the pre Romero zombie stuff. The the almost voodoo aspect zombie of raising the dead with them because and it's the way we set that up, didn't we? Because we get it set up that way, we have the entity controlling them. It's don't not, you mean the Romero zombie? Well, no. no, I guess pre-Romero. No, like white yeah. zombie white and all zombie. of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, right. pre-Romero. Because after that, after Romero, it just became Walking Dead. And, right, right. You know, most of what we know. So he did a great melding of the two zombie genres. Yeah. And I, I was really, I was really, really worried. I, we got into it, and then, especially when we get the bit where the, the zombies attack and then don't. We've got him locked in the room, and I have to. I hate to tell you this, but Stedman's dead, and Wallace goes in the room, and they're not there. They're, they're just kind of lying. They're not attacking. They're not zombies they're anymore. They're dead. And it was like, what the hell is going on here? Maybe it's yeah. a limited time. So of course my brain goes to work. Well, maybe it's only they're zombies for a little bit, but then they're not anymore. But you know that. And then Tom showed back up, and it was like, <laughs> well, that throws that theory out. So what is it? And and just the idea that no, it was this Lola thing controlling everything. And it was like. Ah, and that fixed so much of what my apprehensions about doing zombies in the Brigverse were going to, you know, 
because it's just not it's just not something that works you know well, it's, it's, it's I think such since, a different kind of genre I think since they were all controlled by the yes. one force by the one entity and the other thing that I thought was interesting was that the Zola, the, the Loa early on plays like it doesn't know what the intelligence great intelligence is or what the Sumatra is even is and then later on when it's realizing that its plan has worked out it's come to fruition and they've there's a tear and it can it can send its zombies into the world and it can become you know real and reach out and then that gets cut off which i thought was really really well written but anyway when it's going through that it starts talking about vindicating itself with the great intelligence i thought oh it's been lying all along it knew what the great intelligence Mm -hmm. was yeah i thought well that's clever but then it gets ripped back to its own void and i thought Oh, no. I guess maybe they've tucked that away to do something with it later, but now I want to know why it knows the great intelligence. Is there just going to be this battle of two <laughs> astral plane entities later I down? used to know him when later he was the pretty way? good intelligence. <laughs> well, I, I also like how this kind of retroactively fixes some of my issues with the playing dead. Yes. Because... Ann and Bill show up at the end, see all these zombies, and then that's pulled from their subconscious by the aliens for the playing dead. It works really well. Right. Of course, not knowing what Adrian Sherlock, which wrote playing dead, is going to do with the new unusual, they might even tie in more. But this at least starts that groundwork where sure. it kind of fixes that other story. Yeah, we we I remember you and I were both very, I think you were too, yeah. very lackluster on that one. And this yeah. this does go a long way toward... Uh, I don't know about a long way, but it goes. It starts to pave that groundwork for me. Well, compared to just being uh, so out, out of the, the blue, blue, yeah, this for me goes a long right, way to being right. okay. That you know, just just like the fact that it's being you know this intelligence thing controlling the zombies goes a long way to justifying why you can have zombies in a less oh, I see. book. Yeah, okay, I see. Now that this book has come out, that goes a long way to justifying why you can return to the zombies later on as this mind game for the aliens. Yeah. So it's like, An- okay. Another part of the entire story that helps make the zombies work is the fact that they're isolated in this little village that's not even really in time travel. It's not this weird mirror, mirror universe, version yeah. that isolates them and keeps them in control. And if... Loa can escape, then it becomes havoc and a zombie apocalypse. Because that's the thing with zombies. If you have one, you have the verge of a zombie apocalypse. And for the Lethbridge-Stewart world, because we know where things are headed, you can't do that. Right. And pocketing it in this mirror universe makes it work so perfectly, Agreed. too. Agreed the, 100%. The pocket mirror was also a very clever way of throwing us off the scent again of this weird time travel incident that yeah. nobody in the village remembered any of these people showing right. up. Right. Yeah. And it was like, well, then how does that? And it, again, it's not until that revelation comes out way late that it's like, Oh, it's all happening present day. It just happens to be time runs slower here. Yeah. Even down to the fact that like, there was a street sign backwards. Yeah. I, Which I, I didn't that... realize until I just looked at the cover. It's on the cover. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Keenshin, Keenshin is, uh, Written backwards on that sign. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> well, it's nice that we didn't get any references to that backward signage until we learned that it's a mirror universe. Yeah. I was I was very relieved by that because I kind of thought, had that been a nugget earlier, although when, I, when they started putting the pieces together that it was a mirrored location of the village, 
it suddenly started to make sense why Chorley was so confused because he seemed to know Keisham well enough. Yeah. But then was very turned around whenever they were trying to get to places in the village. And so that was, you know, I, I knew that there was something strange and maybe they weren't in the same locations they thought there were. But then by adding that fact that this was almost a back, just a complete opposite and backwards universe to that, then I thought, oh, that totally made well, so much and more sense. Even then, initially, before I realized it was a backward universe, I just thought to myself, well, it's because it's so far back in time that it's changed since then. And then we get the actual explanation of like, well, that works really well too. You start to rationalize in your head why, <laughs> yeah, why things could be. Also, well, like when they do their their recce, and Charlie and you know Lee thinks says it should be over here, and it's not. And it's just chalked up to Charlie's kind of a, a, a goober. <laughs> that's how the brig looks at it. And so you, that's how you look at it. It turns out, no, no, he's he was right. It's just it's backwards. I also really like the defense mechanism of the barrier that will give you a million different reasons not to move forward and go back and look at something else. That's a really clever idea of you can only enter the triangle by accident. Yeah, I really like that idea. Or on a very powerful hallucinogenic, <laughs> which I thought worked really well too, yes. because I kind of thought, yeah, because at that mind, your your, your brain doesn't rationalize things the same way, yeah. so you'd be more willing to go in. Yeah, that those suggestions don't work for you because your mind thinks differently. And and even that's where I thought the story of the drunk was going to go, where he was so plastered that he was going to be able I to fall out and go no way. problem. I sort of thought the same And then thing. he wasn't able to. In fact, had he... And he started to. Had he stumbled out of the... In fact, that whole narrative would have been fine with me had he stumbled out into 1970. And even if he had just stumbled out in 1970 and they left it there, he I was the thought, only one that made it. Yeah. yeah. It was, well, it would have been one of those, okay, this is where you were going with it. And you were you were tying together the fact that he was completely sloshed all the time to the fact that you could be on some sort of hallucinogenic drug and get through the barrier. And so I, I think had it gone that way instead of him drowning and accepting his fate, <laughs> yeah, I think I would have been better with that. But High marks for me on this one. I, I, I Again, really I put it. it up in the top of, of my favorites as far as this series goes. So. And I'm very, very excited by the nugget of possibility that Chorley may get to re-encounter the Dominators down the road. Yeah, in fact, it kind of makes me wonder if they're setting up a, a book of his own. Because Lethbridge Stewart's kind of put him on this path. It's almost like oh, yeah. he set him forth on his own adventure. Uh, I mean, he certainly could be included in another book within the series, but they could even do a novella with him doing going off. Kind of as they've done with uh, Evans. Yeah. So be interesting to see where they go with it. Yep, yep. Indeed. Life of Chorley. <laughs> All right, Sean, what do we got? Chorley dominated. <laughs> sure. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Sean, what do we got coming up with the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule, next week for our uh, Friday Night Who, Doctor Who Watch Along, we return to Matt Smith and a new Who story. We're going to do... Um, uh, Akhenaten. I couldn't think of how we mispronounced it. I couldn't think of the real name Rings either. Rings of Akhenaten? The Rings of Akhenaten uh, is our uh, uh, watch-along selection. Again, 10.30 on Friday, if you care to join in for that on Twitter. and 10.30 then p.m. PM Central. Central Standard. Time. Yes, there's a lot of uh, uh, back and forth on that. So uh, that's all the pertinent information you have and need. And then our review next week, uh, we will be looking at... If I can get my iPad to stop scrolling. There we go. Um, 
Big Finish number 94, which is ID and Urgent Calls, uh, which is technically, yes, it's two separate stories that are both together under the same release, if that makes sense. It's because one story came in at about 45 minutes, and so they did another one that's about 20. Yeah. 15, maybe 20. Uh, and then um, I still haven't figured out if we're going to include the Titan comics. I'm... I think we should just do it. Go ahead and do it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so then we'll do the uh, Titan Comics 11th Doctor Season 3, uh, which is issues 6 through 10. So those two things will be reviewed next week. Cool. Well, if you uh, want to contact us and send us feedback, how do they do that? Keith? Just head to our website, travelingthevortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab, or you can send it directly to feedback at travelingthevortex.com, or reach out to us on any form of social media. Excellent. And uh, please consider to become a Patreon supporter of our podcast. You can go to our website and click on the button there. It'll give you all the instructions of how you can support us on Patreon. Anything else we need to touch on this week, fellas, before we head out? Don't believe so. I don't think so. If that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.